A man's mind may be likened to a garden, which may be intelligently cultivated or allowed to run wild. But whether cultivated or neglected, it must and will bring forth. If no useful seeds are put into it, then an abundance of useless weed seeds will fall therein and will continue to produce their kind. Just as a gardener cultivates his plot, keeping it free from weeds and growing flowers and fruits which he requires, so may a man tend the garden of his mind, weeding out all of the wrong, useless, and impure thoughts and cultivating toward perfection the flowers and fruits of right, useful, and pure thoughts. By pursuing this process, a man sooner or later discovers that he is the master gardener of his soul, the director of his life. And that's from James Allen, As a Man Thinketh, from 1902. Which brings us to Chapter 4 of Wallace D. Waddle's The Science of Getting Rich, published in 1910. He said, Thought is the only power which can produce tangible riches from the formless substance. The stuff from which all things are made is a substance which thinks, and a thought of form in this substance produces the form. Original substance moves according to its thoughts. Every form and process you see in nature is the visible expression of a thought in original substance. As the formless stuff thinks of a form, it takes that form as it thinks of a motion It makes that motion. This is the way all things were created. From Wallace D. Waddles. And then Mahatma Gandhi, an Indian lawyer who inspired movements of civil rights and freedom across the world, said, A man is but the product of his thoughts. What he thinks, he becomes. Bringing us to part two of our deep dive into Wallace D. Waddles, The Science of Getting Rich. Welcome back to season 10 of the Neuroscience Meets Social and Emotional Learning podcast, where we connect the science-based evidence behind social and emotional learning that's finally being taught in our schools today and emotional intelligence training used in our modern workplaces for improved well-being, achievement, productivity, and results. Using what I saw as the missing link the application of practical neuroscience. I'm Andrea Samadhi, an author and an educator with a passion for learning, and launched this podcast five years ago with the goal of bringing all the leading experts together in one place to uncover the most current research that would bring back how the brain learns best by taking us all to new and often unimaginable heights. On today's episode number 315, we launch into a deep dive of Wallace D. Waddle's The Science of Getting Rich, starting with chapters 4, 14, and 7. And if you look at the image in the show notes, you'll see a tabbed and very well-read Science of Getting Rich book. This was the book I sent to paranormal researcher Ryan O'Neill from Scotland, UK, over 10 years ago, instructing him to read this book, starting with chapters 4, 14, and 7, 
for 90 days. He sent me this image of his book all these years later, well-read and marked up, and his results that we cover on our interview with Ryan on episode 203 are a byproduct of him doing things in this certain way, beginning with reading chapter 4, the first principle in the science of getting rich that we're going to cover today. Next, we'll move on to chapter 14 on the impression of increase that's by far my favorite chapter in this book. I love watching this principle in action in others, and then learning to practice this myself has been something that I think has given me some depth with my character over the years. We'll move back to Chapter 7 on gratitude that ties all these chapters together before reviewing the other chapters of this book and coming up with some action steps for implementing these timeless principles in our own lives. If you want a guide, I'll link a YouTube audio version of these special chapters, 4, 14, and 7, in the show notes for you. And if you look in the comments section, someone knew the power of these chapters in this order, revealing their awareness when they wrote, Thanks for the combination to the safe. It's these three chapters that Bob Proctor would have everyone study in this order, and we'd even form mastermind groups after each seminar had concluded to ensure that we were reading the book in this way. I'm still in contact with the two others I was assigned to meet back in 1999, and we'd meet once a week for 90 days and read the chapters in this order, chapters 4, 14, and 7. And this practice bound us together for life. Whoever commented that this was the combination to the safe got it right. With deep understanding, we read these chapters word for word together once a week for 90 days and then discussed how we were implementing the ideas into our life or not. And I remember I was in my late 20s and I would read this book before the sun had come up with the others in my group and we're reading over the telephone. And this practice didn't just set me up for that year, but it set me up to think and act in this certain way for the rest of my life. Now, when I cover a book on this podcast, taking a deep dive like this, I'm doing so because I've watched the contents of the book that we're covering change my own results and hundreds of others around me over the years. And if you look at the table of contents first... There are 17 simple and short chapters in this book that are all about breaking through the mental barriers of success and that moving from the competitive mind to the creative mind is integral to our success. So how do we do this? Well, we spent the whole introduction, part one, explaining that we must first learn the principles for ourselves and then we can extend our hand out to help others. This is the whole idea of this book. It's a simple formula for success that begins when we think and act in this certain way. What is this certain way? This is what we'll be diving into with our study of each chapter. Starting with chapter four, the first principle in the science of getting rich. Remember this book is all about the syllabus and how important our thinking is because there's this thinking stuff from which all things are made that's everywhere, and a thought in this substance 
produces the thing that is imaged by the thought. So this chapter is all about the importance of how we think. If we're going to think and act in a certain way, at the most fundamental level, it matters how and what we think about. This chapter opens up with line one, saying thought is the only power that can produce tangible riches from the formless substance. We opened up this episode with James Allen's take on this, where he said, by thinking in this certain way, we become the master gardener of our soul, the director of our life. Therefore, the first principle in the science of getting rich is that we must think in this certain way. Well, what is this certain way, you ask? Well, I've been thinking about this since I first heard of this idea way back in 1999. I wanted to say, oh yeah, I think in this certain way and let the high paying positions come to me, but this is not how it happened for me at all. It seemed like this principle took me the longest time to actually implement. Knowing and doing are poles apart. So here's some clear examples. Think about person one. They drive by a car dealership. And I'm going to use this example because it was the first example I heard back in 1999. So this person looks at the cars on the car lot and they think, oh, wow, I love that red car and I'd love to buy it. And then they drive off and they start thinking of how they're going to save up and buy this red car that they've just seen at this car lot. They might create a plan and come back and visit the lot and sit in the car. They might even test drive the car. You got it? You see how person one thinks? Well, let's look at person two. They drive by the car dealership and they stop and they take out a notepad and they write down some numbers. What are they writing, you ask? Well, this person is taking notes on how many cars might fit on that specific lot. And they're thinking, how can I buy this lot? And they write down 50 cars and they're thinking of other ideas like, is there another lot nearby that I could eventually buy if I outgrow this lot? They write down some other things like how much money could I also make from advertising since there's a sign out front. And then they're thinking about how much money could I make on the land? So what type of thinker are you? Can you see two distinct ways a person could think? How would you think if you drove past a car dealership today? Are you person one, thinking about how you would buy the car? Or are you person two, thinking about how you would buy the whole lot? I know without a shadow of a doubt that I'm person one. And to get the details for how person two would think, I actually had to ask someone who thinks in this certain way. Now, let me put some faces to these two different types of thinkers. And we've mentioned these people before on the podcast. Did you know that Walt Disney, who's kind of like person two in our car dealership example, he took his good friend, Art Linkletter, a Canadian-born radio and television personality who surely had vision, but his vision was different than Art's. Walt took Art to an open field near Orange County, California, and he pointed to the land, and then he told Linkletter of his vision for building a theme park for children. And I talked about this with Dr. John Medina all the way back on episode 42, 
And I asked Dr. Medina about this, and oddly enough, Dr. Medina said he had this large poster of Walt Disney hanging up in his office, and it was from a time when there was only one theme park, Disneyland, which came first in Anaheim, California in 1955. Disney World near Orlando hadn't been built yet. It opened in 1971. And this poster in John Medina's office was of a photo of a big swamp with Cinderella's castle in the background. And you can see Walt Disney with an entrepreneurial grin. And the caption on the poster says, it's kind of fun to do the impossible. So how do you change your way of thinking and do things that many people would say were impossible? Isn't this the point of why we all listen to podcasts in the first place? We're looking for new ideas or new ways of thinking, something to give us a different result when we're doing something in a different way. And this is how we change our paradigms, and it takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. We're also not taught how to think in this certain way in school. We have to learn to live from inside our minds first, and I can tell you that I've been working on this way of thinking For over 25 years, and the more I learn, the more I realize that I know so very little. It's a lifetime process and involves dedication, time, effort, and hard work. And this is one of the main reasons why I host this podcast. Each week, as I release something that you, the listener, downloads wherever you are in the world, it also helps me and those close to me since I'm getting a refresher as I'm writing each episode and thinking of ways we can all put what we're learning here into practice. And this is also why I chose the six social and emotional learning competencies to focus on for this podcast. It appears that self-awareness is the key to making any change in our lives. We've got to first of all know thyself before we can change thyself. And we covered this concept in depth in September of 2022 when we first started our review of our past episodes with the goal of building a stronger 2.0 version of ourselves. On episode 247, we dove deep into our interview with Greg Link, who intentionally created a legacy by reading a book a week. Since 95% of the decisions we make take place in the subconscious mind, It's crucial for our future results that we keep tending to the garden of our mind with continual study. And this practice will keep us moving up the seven levels of awareness. We all begin at the same level, but it's our ability to think that moves us up these seven levels away from following what everyone else is doing in step two to aspiration, step three, where we think we're doing something We aspire to be or do or have more in our lives, but we must keep moving forward for real change to occur. At step four, we step out and we take action on an idea. We actually do something, which brings us to step five, and it's here we need to apply discipline to stay in the game. Over time, at step six, we gain experience that eventually leads us to step seven of mastery. And going through these seven levels of awareness requires that we think and act in a certain way, which is what Chapter 4 of The Science of Getting Rich is all about. 
And if you look at the graphic of these seven levels of awareness, it was in chapter four that Bob Proctor would cover these in the seminars. At the very top of this worksheet is the quote, to look on the appearance of poverty will produce corresponding forms in your own mind from Wallace D. Waddles. So if we've got to think and act in this certain way, it requires that we think truth regardless of appearances or what we see. And I could talk about this concept for weeks because I've honestly been thinking about it and trying to put it into practice in my life since 1999. We've already concluded that we all have the ability to think, but some people think differently or they think in a certain way, leading them to different results. And I told you that I was not always someone who had prosperity thinking. How could I when I was raised to be careful with money since it was scarce and it had to stretch far? So thinking there's enough or even there's an abundance of money was a complete stretch for me. But over time and over many years, my paradigms about money have changed. So how do we change our programming from poverty consciousness to prosperity? The key is in this chapter. We've got to be able to think truth that there is an abundance of what we need, regardless of appearances or what we can see with our eyes. I remember reading this passage thousands of times in our study in those early days because this one took us all a very long time to grasp. My bank account is empty, but you mean I should think there's money in it? There's no food in the fridge, but you mean that I should think food and suddenly it's going to appear? So how does this happen? They come when you learn to think and act in this certain way, and this isn't easy. I know and I remember. I remember when I first moved to the U.S., and I'm fully aware that we're not supposed to talk or dwell on difficult times according to this book, but I'll need to mention where I came from for you, the listener, to understand. I came with an empty bank account, but a vision of what I would be doing. Of course, the vision for what I wanted to do would take time, and we all start out in the same place, which is level one, on those seven levels of awareness. Now, I remember one day running out of gas as my car was going up a hill, and I had to pray the car would start again as the road evened out so I could get to a gas station and fill up the car. I also remember that I only had $20 in my bank account to spend on gas, so the idea of thinking truth that there's enough money in my bank to cover what I needed was a far stretch. But I did it because there was no other option. I thought truth regardless of appearance and slowly over time learned to think and act in this certain way. Now, in those early days, I worked as a nanny at local resorts in Arizona. And I remember walking around the beautiful resorts and it would really help my ability to think in this certain way. You can't just think and not take action. So I worked hard and looking back now, I always had plenty of food in my fridge and was able to pay all of my bills. I used to line up the largest bills first in order on my desk and when I'd earned enough money to pay them, I moved on to the smaller, easier ones. Eventually, life became easier as I worked on chapter 13, getting into the right business but I did it one step at a time and followed these principles 
believing that if I were to think and act in this certain way, which we know is prosperity thinking, that there would always be enough. And this required me to think truth regardless of appearances, since I didn't have money in my bank account at that time. But I'm sure we can all remember lean times like I'm talking about. I'm sure we all experience them. I just want to show you how I turned it around in my life, and it was a process that occurred with time. But maybe if you're listening and you're right now where I was at that time, it might help you to learn to think and act in this different way to shorten the amount of time that you're here. The focus of this entire book is to expand our level of awareness and open up the keyhole or kick in the door to reveal new possibilities on the other side. So how do we put chapter four into action? How do we change our thinking and learn to think truth that there's abundance regardless of appearances when there is not? I can only say that this chapter takes time. There's no way that anyone would have been able to convince me that my empty bank account would one day have plenty of money in it. When I was down to my last $16 to fill up my car with gas to get me home or or that I would have been able to see that paying my monthly bills from working as a nanny would be possible until I found a better way. I wouldn't have believed it unless I actually lived it. Now it's important for me to share this knowledge so that others can do the same. I learned from being a parent that this skill must be taught. And there is a fine line here, as we don't want to raise our children to be pretentious or immodest or assuming in life. We want our children to be outward-focused, humble, modest, and polite. And it took me years to change my mindset from poverty consciousness, where there's not enough to cover what I need, to prosperity, that I have enough, expanding my level of awareness in this process. So how do we change our money mindset? The late Doug Weed, presidential advisor, said it best when he said, we are not limited by money, but rather by the poverty of our own dreams. Open up our minds to abundant thinking versus poverty. And here's how I took the first principle in the science of getting rich and began to teach this to my own children. The first time I heard one of my girls talking about money in terms of the fact that we might not have enough, I knew it was time to put some focus on these timeless principles in this book. And here's what I would suggest to expand anyone's level of awareness around money. Step one, know what money looks like and feels like. When you can't see or feel money, like when I only had $20 left in my bank account, it's hard to imagine there being an abundance of it. And this is something I noticed happens every time I play Monopoly. So this game is really about prosperity thinking and putting it into action. No one wants to play this game with me because I win this game every time. We must learn to think and act in this certain way in real life, as well as in board games. And it's really the same idea. This again takes time and practice. None of these steps are going to quickly change your money mindset. So play Monopoly like you would play your life and watch what happens. You'll have more money than you know what to do with. And then you can share the wealth with others. In the beginning of this game, we all start out with the same amount of money. But the decisions we make throughout the game 
will determine who is able to earn more and eventually win the game as they create an abundance. At the beginning of a Monopoly game, I've trained myself to think truth regardless of appearances. I can see a vision of all the property I'm going to buy. Park Place and Boardwalk will win the game for you by earning you the rent from everyone who lands on the spaces that you'll buy and own. And this concept became much more interesting when money became available in cryptocurrency, showing us that money can exist outside of physical bills or coins. We can now pay for things electronically, quickly sending money to people and vendors like Zelle or PayPal. What we think of money in 2023 is much different than 50 years ago, but the concept is the same. It's an exchange for service rendered. And once you know what it looks like, whether it's physical bills or it's a number in an account, it's much easier to be able to see it in your possession. Step two, know how to earn money. And I love the quote, never stand begging for that which you have the power to earn by McGill de Cervantes. When times were difficult in my 20s, I figured out how to earn the money I needed to live the life I wanted from cleaning houses and working as a nanny. Using this experience, I now instill the idea of working for money with our children by giving them money for things they can do to help around the house or with their talents and skills. If they can help me to solve a computer issue or something technology-based where their level of thinking far surpasses mine, I'll pay them for their knowledge. This teaches our next generation that when you take the time to study and learn something new, you can earn money for that knowledge. This job in the real world is called being a consultant, and you can earn money in addition to whatever job you choose to spend your days doing. This is where the concept of earning income from multiple sources comes in, and we'll cover this more in depth in Chapter 6, How Riches Come to You. And the concept that money actually circulates helps anyone to see how they can work for it and rightfully have it in exchange for a service that they provide. Step three is know how to think truth regardless of appearances. Remember that every man or woman has the natural and inherent power to think what he or she wants to think but it requires far more effort to do so than it does to think thoughts which are suggested by appearances. Now, I don't know when this principle switched in my head and I began to actually live it, but I do remember it being laborious and it required the expenditure of more power than any other work that I've ever had to perform. To think according to appearances is easy. My bank account has $20 left my fridge is empty, or I have no sales in my pipeline. It's easy to look at these things and think this is how it's going to be. Or we can implement this first timeless principle and create something else, first of all on the screen of our mind, and then second with the action that we'll take. So stop for a minute and just look around you. The clothes you're wearing were created in someone's mind first, before they created the pattern and manufactured them. The car you're driving came first into the mind of Henry Ford or Elon Musk if you're driving a Tesla. Once you've learned to do this, you can relate to Walt Disney's entrepreneurial grin 
as you begin to turn the impossible into reality. So to review and conclude part two of our deep dive into Wallace D. Waddles, The Science of Getting Rich, we covered chapter four and the first principle of learning to think and act in a certain way. And that's with prosperity thinking versus poverty thinking. Since thought is the only power that can produce tangible riches from the formless substance, it matters what we think about. We looked at the importance of being able to think truth regardless of appearance, even if this is the hardest work in the world. I gave the example of being able to think beyond what money I had in my bank account, and this concept can be practiced with our health. Not to say that we just think ourselves to be healthy, but if we can learn to think and see ourselves as healthy, it's the first step being able to use our minds instead of being influenced by the outside world to create and shape our results. As we covered in part one of our review, the message within the pages of The Science of Getting Rich is not to obtain money for ourselves, but to spend money in meaningful ways, especially when it's used for the benefit of others. That's from chapter one of Waldman and Manning's Neurowisdom, and it's known to increase our satisfaction in life. As we're going through these chapters, my goal is to show us not how we can become good little go-getters, but how we can use these principles to help ourselves first and then use them to benefit others. This is the true meaning behind the science of getting rich. And we'll go deeper into taking the focus off ourselves on our next chapter, chapter 14, The Impression of Increase. Until then, I hope you review how to change your money mindset to improve your thinking first and then help others that you interact with. Just to review the three steps, step one, know what money looks and feels like. And it's a completely different world in 2023 now that we've got Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. But for this step, I like to grab a stack of bills, whether they're real or fake, and just know what they feel like to hold what would be considered to you as a lot of money. The more I practice this concept, the easier it is for me to expand my thinking of what a lot of money is to me. In my late 20s, when I was running out of gas... $20 was a lot of money. With experience, my number has changed. But this is the key to always be opening up the doorway and expanding where our current level of thinking sits. Whatever you think is a lot of money, see how it feels to put that amount in your wallet. Carry it around for a while. Before you know it, your amount will change and you'll have expanded your level of thinking around money. Now, I saw an incredible example of this on Instagram with Grant Cardone, who was teaching his children this concept with a game where he blindfolded his kids and they were fishing for $100 bills in a money mindset game. And I know that whatever money was raised with his game went to charity, but I also know it would have changed the money mindset of those kids. They will never look at a $100 bill the same way after seeing so many of them on the table. There was plenty of them and enough for them to gather them up and learn how to give back to others. Step two is to know how to earn money. 
and we'll cover this one more in depth throughout the study of this book, but once we can see that money is an exchange for services rendered, we can open up to what services we can provide to help other people that they would pay for. And I first remember paying a young high school kid who was 17 at the time how to code my first website. It was faster for me to work with him after school than it would have been for me to learn how to do this on my own. And this young man earned plenty of money with his knowledge and talents. He'd mastered how to earn money. Step three is know how to think truth regardless of appearances. And this was the hardest part of implementing this chapter, especially if you're where I was when I ran out of gas in my car. I had to go home, go to sleep, and think tomorrow's a new day, and that tomorrow I had the ability to create something new, something that only existed on the screen of my mind. And when tomorrow came, I always found work that I could do that filled my bank account up one paycheck at a time, and it kept me going. I remember at this specific time I was working as a nanny at a local resort in Arizona, and this was the best place for me to work on improving my money consciousness. I would walk around the resort and see abundance everywhere. I would think one day I'll have my own family and I'll bring them to a resort like this and I'll relax in the lawn chairs and I'll think of ways that I can give back to others once I've done this myself. Now, this doesn't happen right away. I had to master first how to think truth regardless of appearances. And then I had to get to work on what we'll cover next week, the impression of increase. The science of getting rich is a process. It's scientific and mathematical, and it matters what we think about. And with that thought, I'll close out part two of our deep dive of chapter four of Wallace D. Waddle's The Science of Getting Rich. And we'll see you next week with chapter 14 on the impression of increase. If you're enjoying the Neuroscience Meets Social and Emotional Learning podcast, please don't forget to subscribe so you'll stay up to date with our new episode. While you're there, please feel free to give us a review or a five-star rating as it helps others find us. For more information on our programs, books, and tools for schools and the workplace, visit us at www.achieveit360.com. 